Welcome back to the show. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Mr. James Carrington podcast. How y'all doing out there? As we usually or normally do on the show before I even get into it, we're going to start off with a short musical break, uh, a short musical intro. So don't go nowhere. Don't touch those dials. Sit back, kick up your feet. Don't mind my kids in the background. Grab you a glass of wine. Roll you a blunt. Do whatever it is that you need to do to get you all comfy for the ride. Ah, uh, because this is probably going to be a a long show. Because I got a lot to talk about. It's been a minute. So don't go nowhere. Let's go. Yo, my lad. Where they had him the family in God? Can't tell him that me house can me wife just a ning 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 me is right now me one mad. Peep through the fence and see one bag of girl in a me neighbor yard a gwan bad. I'm more than ten if I know more than ten thousand right now me can't hard. Somebody gone with me car but me glad I no far cause big pool party a gwan explore. Ah, a girl in a bikini. Big tent set up on land. Good. Drive chicken in a pan. We leave a liquor in a hand. From the day me ban. Me never see them tight up clothes ya. When them a gal ya a van. And that's why me like come out ya. When them a sit me a guance. Select ya a find some soaker. Every girl's a carry on. Red wine me drink in a bike club soda's big pool party a guan next door. Ah, we'll leave a girl in a bikini. Ah, and if you can't find me, me gone next door. Ah, so don't bother for if you see me. If I ever chat to me neighbor, none at all. But tonight, me neighbor, I'm the savior. What? Give me a car. Telling tonight, me is a river. Scale the wall. Tell over Mars, me no got no behavior. Cause tonight, we all. I go drink champagne till me frost. Every girl want wine pan the rust. All of me care tank on out of gas. Me walk gone and me slippers and socks. Cause big pool party a guan next door. Ah, we'll leave a girl in a bikini. Ah, and if you can't find me, me gone next door. Ah, so don't bother friend if you not see me. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome back. How y'all doing out there? 
Uh, I know it's been a while. It's probably been like about, what, four months now since I last did a show. And I sincerely apologize for that. I have been, needless to say, swamped with obligations. Familial obligations, business obligations, just a whole bunch of stuff. Like the first half of 2018 has been very hectic for me. Deadlines and whatnots, you know, so... But things are slowly winding down. You know, I've had to do a lot of restructuring uh, in my in my personal life, um, mostly in my uh, on the business side of things. Um, so, <clears throat> because I think prior to now, I was kind of all over the place. I just had too much on my plate and. That took away from a lot of time that I could use or spend on myself and the family, you know. Um, I think that I already spent a lot of time with the kids. And, you know, if you're a parent, you already know. Kids take up a lot of your time. A lot. But... You know, slowly I'm, I'm, I'm putting, like I said, I'm consolidating all my resources and all my, uh, every aspect of my life. So, it, it's good. It's, things are slowly winding down for the better. And uh, that has kind of, you know, taken a lot of stress out of my life. And, you know, it, it brings me to the a point that I want to touch on. And that is the point of, um, the concept of, you know... Uh, a minimalistic lifestyle okay now as the name implies minimalism means you're doing as little as possible you know trying to accomplish you know um, trying to basically live life but without all the encumbrances you know uh, it's like a good example would be you take two two individuals different personalities Okay, uh, maybe they all, they both have the same um, availability to the same number of resources. So let's, a good example would be, let's say you have two, two guys who are millionaires, right? And they both, they're both millionaires, they're both worth the same amount of money. But one chooses to have the big house, you know, with the manicured lawns. With the Bentley and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're buying it because, you know, they're buying it and it's putting them in financial straits. I'm just saying they can afford it. So they decide to, you know, so you have two millionaires. One decides to get the big house, the, the Bentley, the mansion, you know, uh, the swimming pool, everything that, you know, all the trappings of success would allow them to 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 get right and then you have his his counterpart same net worth but he chooses to buy you know a smaller house you know get like himself a little toyota prius or something right doesn't even have a swimming pool just has a little uh one of them inflatable pools for the, his kids you know what i'm saying 
Now, which one do you think will have more stress in their life? Obviously, the one with more stuff in their life. Okay? And like I said, take the fact, I'm not saying, I'm not using this as an example to say that maybe, you know, um, buying too much stuff we're not saying we're not talking about financial difficulty let's say even you know with the one who bought all the stuff he still has a lot of money his only thing is that he just likes to splurge okay the money's never gonna end so he likes to keep buying stuff over and over and over again and so at the end of the day, you have two guys, same net worth, and yet one has all this stuff. He has like 10 cars, three mansions, you know, uh, uh, houses in every continent or whatever. And then you have the one who just has maybe one or two houses, two cars, you know. Which of these two individuals do you think is gonna have more stress in their life? I guarantee you and I would bet you it's the one with more stuff more material stuff you understand because people don't understand the logistics that come with you know maintaining a lifestyle like that you know at every point in time you got to keep an eye on you know or, or, or keep track of your inventory make sure you know where everything is at all times you know the, the upkeep of everything the maintenance the you know people will ask you to lend them stuff borrow them stuff and you got to remember to get it back it, it, it's in essence you're gonna be swamped and bogged down because you have so much going on in your life you understand meanwhile the guy who has very little things and is living the minimalistic lifestyle he's not you know he knows where everything is at all times he doesn't have to worry about being bogged down by where is what how much is this gonna cost to maintain uh, you know are my caretakers taking good care of you know my property and all that stuff you understand what I'm saying so that's the point I'm trying to make sometimes in life I think yeah sometimes in life less is actually more having less stuff having less on your plate you know what I'm saying actually is more and more in terms of a better quality of life you understand so just because you can own something or just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it and that is you know one of the lessons that I have learned and I'm carrying you know now that I'm in my 40s that is one of the lessons that I'm carrying into my uh, as I get older hopefully carry into my 50s 60s and I mean it's a lesson that will never depart from me now that I have it entrenched in my in my psyche you know so but yeah so because I just had so much going on man you know a couple businesses and you know we had to keep an eye on all of them at the same time and, 
you know, deal with all the complications and deadlines this and deadlines that and regulations left and right. It just becomes overwhelming or it became overwhelming. But now I'm slowly consolidating like I said and I'm starting to feel like this big load being lifted off my shoulders. You know, I have less things now but you know, in terms of my stress levels, my stress levels are, are, have gone down or are going down. You understand? So that's a good thing. And now that I am slowly consolidating and getting more time to myself, you know, hopefully I can start making the shows more frequently again. You understand? But anyway. Uh, let's take a quick break. This will be very quick, quick musical break, and I'll be back. Nobody can stop Nobody can back welcome back to the show oh man <clears throat> i was about to start uh getting into the other segment of the show but i need to fill this song here by uh stephen marley a little bit more uh, before i can continue so i'll be right back well 
that song so much for those of you who are fans of the Luke Cage show on Netflix if you remember that scene where Bushmaster a Bushmaster <laughs> remember the scene where Bushmaster um, takes over Mariah's club like that final scene there the part where he tried to, to, to set her on fire <laughs> And he thinks it's all done, so he goes to the club, and they hand him a, a bottle of a Bushmaster rum, and he's basically just surveying his empire. And they're playing this song in the background, man. This was the first time I ever heard this song, but the way they were, you know, they were playing that song in the background, you know, and um, and and Bushmaster was surveying his empire. Like basically thinking to himself, man, I have done it. You know, that scene was a very powerful scene, you know, and they're all toasting to him. They're all cheering him. Uh, it made me like take a liking to the song, you know. But anyway, that show Luke Cage season two was very nice. Season two was a good season. I mean, all that blackness and. Whew, and Tilda, oh my goodness, Tilda, Tilda, Tilda. Mm, 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 mm. Basically, all the women in that show are fine. Even the older detective lady, 
you know the one that um the one that was boss before Messi came on even she is fine you know and uh Messi is fine uh what was that girl's name the 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 red the little the thick red bone in there um oh I can't remember her name on the show but good lord she was fine too mm, 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 mm. But anyway, anyway, let's finish, uh, let's take another quick musical break, maybe for like a minute, and I'll be back. Welcome back. So I had to take that quick break because I'm in the playground with the kids. It's a beautiful day out today. It's cloudy. It's supposed to rain. It's already drizzled a little bit and it has kind of cooled things down here. And so, it's, you know, today's a Saturday morning. I figured, you know what? Uh, my wife is working. I woke up. Uh, oldest kid is with the grandparents. And I had the, the little two with me. And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like being at home cooped up with them. So let me just take them to the park. And, you know, they're having a blast over here. So, you know, they're climbing stuff and whatnot. So I had to keep an eye on them. I have to keep an eye on them. But anyway, yeah, so we, we came into the park today quite early. Earlier than we usually do. And uh, there's nobody here, and it's just that's just the way I like it, because the last time we were here, the last time we were here, you know, it was a lot of people here. I think we were the only black family here. It was just me and my kids, and um, you know, it was a couple of white soccer-type-looking moms here with their white kids, and you know, and um, and this is this is. You know, for those of you who don't live in America, my listeners who don't live in America and, you know, I've been, you know, you've been listening to me for a while, just to give you a sense of what's going on in America now. And, you know, even my, my wife has said it. As a black person now, if you go somewhere and you're the only black person right now in Trump's America, you don't feel comfortable. You understand? You don't feel comfortable because... It, what is the matter anyway I have to pause there for a minute but um yeah you don't feel comfortable because the last time I was here it was kind of like it was this there's this feeling in the air you know that as a black person your guard needs to be up like you're you're looking for a suspected you know white supremacist to 
to, to, to step up to you and say something dumb or look at you a certain way so you can just like bark at them and be like uh-uh I am not that Negro you hear me I am not that one you understand um, because you know if you've been paying attention with everything that's going on now where white folks are calling the cops on black people for every little thing mundane little activities that anyone could be doing at any point in time for some reason when black folk are doing the same thing white people got a problem with it and they have to call the cops you understand and uh you know so it's 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 gotten to the point where as a black person you, every everywhere you go where there are white folks you feel as if you're walking on eggshells you understand because you never know if someone is gonna a suspected white supremacist that's looking at you is just gonna call the cops because you know they can call the cops anonymously and just be like oh, there's some black guy over here with his kids and I don't know there's something about him and the cops like idiots too will rush over there that's the thing that kills me you know you got people calling the cops white people calling the cops on black people for doing mundane shit and the cops like morons are also rushing over there with the with the with the uh the cavalry like uh oh someone called some black person is doing something we must investigate someone called there's a black person with a toothpick in his mouth at a picnic we have to go there and investigate why he has that toothpick in his in his, in his mouth you know so you know as black people this is this is the environment we're in now and so you have to be extra extra careful you know and so you go somewhere and it's just you you're the only black family or the only black person and there's all these white people sitting around you you don't know which of them is a suspected white supremacist but if, if there's five of them I guarantee you at least three are you understand and um, and you never know what they might be up to or what their mindset is that morning when they woke up from from um, woke up from bed you know you don't know you don't know what they listened to on Fox News before they came out to the park that day or came out to wherever and you don't know what mode they're in you could have heard something false on Fox News talking about oh the immigrants immigrants illegal immigrants and Africans are taking over playgrounds all across America that's like sounds like some bullshit Fox News will put out and these morons that listen to Fox News will hear it they'll be like you know what you're right and then they come to a park they see an African family there and they be like you know what Fox was right they're taking over the playground let me call the cops on them you understand some bullshit like that so that's what we're dealing with now. you know so you gotta be you gotta be very careful and you always just like you're always on edge so when we when we got here today and um, there was nobody here I was happy I was like you know what the kids can play in peace I can relax you know let my guard down and and that's what I'm doing now and the weather is great so it's 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 wonderful it's wonderful but isn't it a damn shame that it has to be like that because just about maybe five six years ago it wasn't like this 
okay this whole environment anyway I had to pause again but um yeah just six five years ago you know racism was still in America but it wasn't in your face like it is now hey where's your water bottle go get your water bottle um, and so again if you've listened to my earlier shows the ones I was doing right before the election and I kept telling you guys you know that's why I was you know mad at people like Tariq and the Nick Cannons of the world talking about oh it's not gonna get any worse than it is you know even if Trump becomes president well guess what those same people now have changed their tune now those same people now are talking about how oh it's getting bad out there yeah well you guys had a big platform and a lot of black folks were listening to you you understand and they listened to you and they listened to you telling them not to go vote and they didn't vote and now Trump is president and I kept saying there was a phrase I kept using at the time I said his presidency is going to allow for an atmosphere or an environment of permissiveness you know permissiveness of, of, of uh, racism and bigotry and that's exactly what you're seeing now you understand these white supremacists out here now they're not even hiding they're not even coding their messages anymore they're not sending dog whistles anymore now it's full-blown screaming at each other or, 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 or full-blown uh, messages to each other there's those colored folks over there let's get them you know ordinary white folks are, are being deputized to, to shoot black people all sorts of racial attacks on people that are non-white this is the America we live in now and so you know things definitely have gotten bad and so it, it just pisses me off it, it really pisses me off that a lot of black folks didn't have the common sense you know come the election time to do the right thing now you guys are caught up we're all caught up in this in this Trump's America where you know it's like everywhere you gotta go you don't even know should I take my gun with me or not you understand because you never know who you're gonna run into and you never know what kind of mindset they're in that day you don't know if you're gonna have to shoot somebody and then and then even with that if even if it's self-defense then now you gotta go through proving that it was true self-defense and it's just a it's just so complicated you know and black folk we we weren't ready for this you know people kept talking about oh maybe this will wake black people up well uh, most black people are awake now but the thing is it's different to be awake and just be awake than it is to be awake and prepared you understand it's like going to war if you know war is coming you shore up your defenses right you make sure you have reserves of food and ammo okay you don't do just one thing you don't just say well you know we're gonna show up our defenses and that's it that's not the full equation right there you gotta show up your defenses you gotta make sure you have enough enough food and reserves just in case that you know your your, your city is gonna be in siege you understand 
And if the war is going to be a long and a protracted one, that's how ancient warfare was fought. You know, an army would surround your city. If your city had long fortified walls, if you had long fortified walls, that was just one aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? If you had fortified walls, that was a good start. Because cities that usually had walls were least vulnerable, least vulnerable to attacks. You know, you had, you know, if those of you who like to watch movies with um, movies like, you know, Helen of Troy and stuff like that, or even if you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, um, and even not in not so biblical times, you know, having high walls was the biggest form of defense against outside you know enemies and that's why china built you know the great wall of china for instance right you wanted you wanted the uh, uh, defenses that included a physical barrier like a wall which was high high enough and then you could put guards on it and made sure that that wall was secure secure enough to protect the inhabitants of your community but that was just one aspect you also had to make sure that if the invading army came and they surrounded your city if they had your city surrounded on all sides since you couldn't go out you had to make sure that you had to account for the fact that okay maybe this invading army is gonna be here for a long time if that's the case prior to the war you start building up reserves of food, water, and ammunition. You understand? Because once the city is on lockdown, ain't nobody going nowhere until the invading army leaves. And in ancient times, that was enough to wear an invading army out. You understand? If, if, if you were well fortified and you had everything in place and you could, you know, withstand... Um, the siege after a while the invading army you know the soldiers the morale will start going down because you know fi obviously they're far away from home they miss their families and stuff and that would be enough for for an invading army to say you know what let's just go back home so it was all a question about who could wait the longest and so that brings me to the point where I'm saying you know to the point where I made where I said you know People kept saying, you know, oh, even if Trump, actually people kept saying, you know, we need Trump to become president so that black people will finally, you know, confront racism and, and, and wake up, stay woke. I'm like, we were already doing that. Now I understand, you know, the logic. Okay, it makes sense. You want black people to, to get out of this state of complacency that we've been in for many years. But now that we've woken up now what you understand that was only one aspect of the equation you did not make sure that black people would have the resources and the means to confront you know this environment or this atmosphere that we're in now so in other words if people of color you know said okay we're not going to vote let trump become president so that we can you know but then at the same time, we also had resources in place to protect us from all the attacks that his presidency 
is 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 kind of permitting you know these white supremacists to to uh, place on us if we had the resources to counter that then you could say now we're really prepared but we don't and that is why every day you wake up and some white folk is calling the cops on black people and the cops are coming in and and you know harassing us and sometimes shooting us and you understand black folks weren't prepared for that and so it, it just the whole thing just pisses me off so much it just pisses me off it pisses me off even more so because the same people who told black folks that you know oh don't vote you know it can't get any worse than it is now those same people are now talking about how how bad it is and that's the part that pisses me off anyway <sighs> but yeah so this is the situation now it's a black person you gotta watch where you go you gotta be mindful of your environment at all times you gotta have situational awareness at all times you know you gotta you gotta protect yourself at all times it's almost like you gotta be borderline paranoid because you never know whatever scheme the next you know suspected white supremacist that's in your in your vicinity is planning Anyway, I didn't mean to go on a rant like that, but I just wanted to break down the situation and let you guys realize what's going on. Let's take another quick break. I'll be back.
Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. I hope you guys were enjoying that brief musical interlude. Oh, man. So, I, uh, before I get into the nitty gritty of the show, I wanted to uh, touch on this story that I, uh, I happened to come across online. Uh, it's from ABC News. Husband <clears throat> husband charged with killing pregnant wife and two young daughters. Husband charged with killing pregnant wife and two young daughters. And of course, the 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 gentleman happens to be a Caucasian. It's a Caucasian family. And I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised when I clicked on it and I saw his his mugshot and his face staring back at me. Now you see <clears throat> This is why uh, sometimes you got to just have faith and trust in God. You understand? I don't know about you guys, but to me, and based on everything I'm seeing around the world today, based on the news articles that I have been reading for the, over the past five years, Okay, based on the manner and behavioral patterns that I'm, I've, I've seen being exhibited by Caucasians all around the world over the past five, eight years or so, I can <clears throat> emphatically say and without, you know, or with much conviction that you know i'm not a geneticist or a statistician or uh what is the word they they have for those people epidemiologist but i can just by looking at things that are going on i can emphatically say that maybe in 50 years white people are not going to be around anymore or even if there are some They'll probably be about maybe 1% of the population, of the entire global population. If you guys have been listening to the news, you are well aware of the fact that there is a natural decrease that is happening among whites. Whites are decreasing naturally. They're not giving birth to replace... Uh, they're kind that are dying, you know, they're elderly are dying off, but they're not reproducing fast enough or even reproducing at all to replace the ones that are dying off. And of course, common sense would dictate that if this goes on, if this trend goes on, you will soon fade out of existence. You understand? And that is what is happening. There are so many articles out there online about it. It's a phenomenon called natural decrease. Uh, I even read a couple months ago where Sweden, pure Scandinavian country, was urging its citizens to have more babies. You understand? So in my mind, whites have taken a look at what's going on around and realized, man, in spite of all that we have done and try to do to maintain global dominance nature is still kicking our ass 
And to me, I say to them, it's not nature that's kicking your ass. It's God that's kicking your ass. It's God that is wiping your ass all over the floor. And you know why? Because you have turned against his ways. Because you have disobeyed or you have violated the number one commandment. The number one most important rule of all, which was to love your brother as yourself. Or in essence, do to your brother what you would want done to you. You guys claim to be the ones who brought Christianity or propagated Christianity. And yet, you have not practiced what you preached. Okay? Whites, with the advent of Christianity... I've spread Christianity all around the globe with missionary work, taking Christianity to every parts of the world, remote areas. Of course, when they did that, they did it under the, you know, it, it was basically a ruse to colonize parts, every part of the world. And they used Christianity as a, as a cover. So in essence, they weren't really practicing Christianity. What they were trying to achieve was global dominance through colonizing uh, different parts of the world. And in doing so, they brutalized, murdered, looted, pillaged, hurt, maimed, destroyed millions of people that were not white. I'm not pulling this out of my ass. This is just history I'm repeating to you guys. You understand? And so, you can only do shit like that for so long. You can only continue to hurt God's creation for so long. And, you know, people have always said, and I've alluded to it in one of my shows, that, you know, black people were very spiritual people. People of color are very spiritual people. That is why we're slow to revenge. We're slow to, to, to dish out retribution. That is because we have God in us. You understand? And so, God being the eternal being that he is, you know, people that are on the um, end of being brutalized might look up to God and say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to us? What is taking you so long to, you know, uh, inflict vengeance on our behalf? You've told us not to do it ourselves, so then why don't you do it for us? I know this is a question that goes to black people's minds all the time. You know, we take a look at our plight in the world. We take a look at our default state globally. And we're like, we're the majority. And yet, white supremacy is kicking our ass. And has been kicking our ass for God knows how long now. And so why, God, are you allowing this to happen? But you see, for me now, it's all starting to make sense. As I'm getting older now and I'm seeing all the changes that are occurring in the world now, it's starting to make sense. 
God moves, but he moves slowly. And his movement might be slow because he is eternal. If you think of the fact that he is an entity or a being that has been around for billions, for, for you can't even put a, a time span to it. For someone like you whose lifespan on earth is only going to be at most a hundred years, the amount of time you spend on earth is, is, is minuscule, minuscule compared to the time that God has been in existence. You're comparing a hundred years, that is if you happen to live that long, to eternity. And so, whatever happens in, in eternity, to you, might be very slow. It, 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 you know, it, when God moves as human beings, we might not discern it because, you know, he moves slow. I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense to you guys or not, but you have to think about it logically or critically, I should say. You understand what I'm saying? Think of, think of it this way. Think of it this way. You see a plane, right? You're, you're standing in a park and you see a plane way up in the sky at 37,000 feet, right? You see the plane. You know when you're looking at the plane, it compared to, let's say you're standing in a park next to a highway, okay? The highway is only, I don't know, a couple feet away from you. So there are cars moving on the highway and you can see them. They're moving real fast, right? They're moving like, you know, even something that's moving at 30 miles an hour will seem fast to you. Compared to the plane, which you see all the way up there at 37,000 feet, in your mind, the plane seems, compared to the car, seems to be moving slow, right? But the truth of the matter is, the plane is moving at like maybe a thousand times the speed of the car. But, you looking at it, and from the perspective at which you're looking at it, the plane seems to be moving slow. Because you're like, oh, look at that plane all the way up in the sky. Wow, it's sure taking its time to move from this point to that point. But eventually, you're not going to see it anymore, right? But for the same amount of time that you saw the plane, you probably saw about 100 cars pass you by. So, you know, logic might make you think the cars are moving faster than the plane but they're not you see because the plane has covered a much greater distance in that same amount of time and it is the same parallels that I use when I talk about when people are waiting for a response from God to their prayers now in the general context of what I'm saying I'm just equating or using the struggle of people of color and why you know in our minds God has allowed us to be manhandled and mishandled you know by those in the dominant society aka suspected white supremacists or white supremacists in general but from what I'm seeing now Okay, from what I'm seeing now, uh, it looks like the tables are turning. Okay, 
The tables are turning. From everything that's happening, the tables are turning. Slowly. And white people are getting desperate. Now, the interesting part about it to me is the fact that... Remember, I started this piece off with a story about the white gentleman who killed his pregnant wife and his two children. I have been seeing a lot of stories like that too lately. Of murder-suicide, or just plain murder, where a white male will kill off his own family. Kill off his bloodline. Like, what the fuck sense does that even make? For a group of people who are struggling to even maintain your population, killing off yourselves is not a good way to maintain that struggle. You understand? But then it goes to show you. If you, again, let's go back to the Bible. If you read the Bible a lot, especially the Old Testament. When I was a teenager, I used to read the Bible a lot. The Old Testament. I used to read the book of Kings. And I loved the book of Kings. And, you know, books like that. The ones that, that chronicle the, the stories of King David and Solomon. And, you know, the struggles of the Jewish people as they left Egypt. And that type of, uh, that section of the Bible. I used to read a lot. One of the things I noticed as a teenager... And I always thought it was interesting was whenever God wanted to punish a people, right? He had a very interesting way of doing it. He would he would punish them for doing some for violating one of his laws. And then uh, the people understandably would be, you know, sorrowful and you know they would mourn and whatever. And then, you know, they would repent of their ways and he would let it go, right? But there were times when God himself, even after the people showed remorse and were repentful of their ways, or repentant of their ways, I should say, he himself would cause them to go back to their old ways. He himself would harden their hearts again. This is a very typical example uh, would be when Pharaoh didn't want Moses to let his people out of Egypt and God sent down the, the plagues, right? There were a couple of plagues that God sent onto Egypt and the Egyptians uh, that made Pharaoh say, you know what? Enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to let these Jews go because my people are suffering. And then he would send word for Moses to be brought to him so that he could tell him, you know what, you and your people are free to go. But then it would say something like, and then God hardened Pharaoh's heart again before Moses could get there. So in essence, God made Pharaoh see the error of his ways, right? And Pharaoh repented. But when Pharaoh, after Pharaoh had repented and sent for Moses to tell him, I have repented, I am no longer who I used to be. You and your people can go. In that short span of time, before Moses would get to Pharaoh, God himself would cause Pharaoh to change his mind again. And when he would change his mind again, that would be um, cause for God to 
punish Pharaoh again by sending down more plagues. So God does that sometimes. If God wants to show you the true extent of his power, he will punish you and then you will repent. You'll repent in your mind. You're, you're not really not going to do it again. Okay, you've repented. You're good. You've seen the error of your ways. So then you tell God, God, you know, I repent or whatever. God will look at you and say, you know what? I don't think I've punished you enough. And then he, he himself will harden your heart against him. And that will cause you to rebel against him. And that will justify more punishment coming your way. It was something that I found truly remarkable and a little bit puzzling. But like they say, God works in mysterious ways. So the point I'm trying to make is I'm bringing that narrative to what's happening to you know these uh, suspected white supremacists and white families that are killing off their own uh, you know there is only one explanation in my mind for why you know a white male who obviously probably has everything going on for himself would kill off not only his wife but kill off his offspring your offspring which is supposed to to carry your bloodline into the future. And to me, the only explanation for it is that it's a punishment from God. That is the only explanation I have for it. And like I said, white people know they've done people of color wrong for eons. They know that. They've probably tried to repent of their ways by trying to make up for it in their own little ways. Oh, let's send some food to Africa. Let's do this. Let's do that. But I think in God's mind, God says, I see you guys have seen the error of your ways. Well, some of you have, but most of you still haven't. But I will continue to harden your hearts and continue to make you repeat the things that you've done in the past. The evil things that you've done in the past I'll continue to harden your hearts and use that as justification to keep punishing you. And that, my friends, is what I think is playing out now. That is what I think is playing out now. Because there is no reason why I should at least once a month pick up my phone and read a story about a white family that was slaughtered by their own, the patriarch of the family, it doesn't matter, you know, you, you hear of husbands killing their wives or wives killing their husbands because of whatever, infidelity or whatever. But when you start throwing the children into the mix, you're killing yourself, you're killing your wife and you're killing your children. That tells me there is something else at play. Now one or two isolated incidents, okay, maybe mental health issues or whatever, but this is becoming a pattern now. And it also points to the fickle-minded nature of the Caucasian male. Their, 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 their um, ability to quickly uh, resolve to violence, resort to violence. You understand? Which is what they've demonstrated all around the world against people of color. 
now the chickens are coming home to roost and they're doing it to themselves you look at the, the, the mass school shootings of which the victims are mostly white and it's a white male for the most part that's shooting his own you know classmates who are also white you look at this phenomenon of, of white husbands slash fathers killing off their own families it just goes to show you white males can't handle pressure they cannot handle societal pressures because for the longest time they have been in a comfortable place they have been in a comfortable place and now that things they are starting to see the wrath of God now that they're seeing that the hand of God is, is they can feel it moving and it's not moving in their favor it is fucking with them and they're resorting to violence and the first group of people when they wake up in the morning that they turn their ire towards is their own families it's their own families anyway breaking news Aretha Franklin is dead at 76 may she rest in peace she came she did what she had to do and now she has been called into the arms of her Heavenly Father but back to what I was saying so I, I want you guys to just think about that for a minute just pause for a minute take a look around you everything that you've heard in the news everything that you've read just take a look at all the changes that are going on around you especially in the white community with the advent of Trump and the advent of white nationalism globally whites are getting desperate and let me not just say all whites obviously white supremacists and suspected white supremacists are getting desperate because there are some whites who quite frankly don't give a shit this whole race thing doesn't bother them one bit they just see themselves as humans which is what we all need to do but it is the majority of them who depend on the system of white supremacy and practice it even though they might seem like they're not don't let them fool you they practice it and benefit from it they're the ones that are caught in the crossfires right now they're the ones that are feeling the brunt of what's going on right now and all I can tell you is God is a just God he is a just God he moves slow but he moves and it might take you a while to stop feeling the effects of him moving but you'll feel it unlike the Old Testament in the times of the Old Testament when he was quick to strike you down because you pissed him off uh, he doesn't do that anymore but he will still move and you will eventually feel it and that is what is going on now anyway let's take a quick musical break don't go nowhere i'll be back you see him the whole tri-county i love tri-county but i hate everybody that part Oh, they on the beat. Hey. Put a bang, bang. 
is the root boy alongside the very papa. objective of the show uh, and this has been the objective for the past three shows that I have done uh, the theme of the show has been you know the going back to Africa movement we've been talking and discussing uh, you know about this whole concept of of repatriating oneself from the West and back to the motherland um, and we've given examples of people who have done it uh, people who have done it and it's working out for them um, so you know we're I'm still keeping in line with that uh, so in light of that I would like to give a big shout out to a couple a family actually 
that I have made mention of in a previous episode uh, they go by the name of native born this is an American couple a black American couple that lives in Ghana uh, they, they've been living in Ghana for about I think seven or so years have established themselves in Ghana and um, they have a YouTube uh, channel I alluded to this in the previous episode and hopefully those of you who um, heard it uh, went to their channel and subscribed now if you've been following what's going on with them you may have realized that about maybe two months or three months ago I think or maybe about a month ago uh, the 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 lady the wife had to leave Ghana because of economic had hardships and had to return to the states there was an issue where you know I mean these guys you know and I, I give them kudos for it they bear their hearts out online as to their every move and as to everything that's going on with their family um, down there in Ghana and so when they made that video uh, you know the to, to suggest that the wife was going back to America actually she was in America when she made the video she left the husband and the kids behind and needless to say those of us who have been fans of their page and those of us who have been rooting for them uh, understandably a lot of us were very sad um, and, and upset because you know as people of color as black people those of us who get it and I have to put that in there those of us who get it because not every black person gets it you understand there are a lot of coons out there there are a lot of self-hating black people out there um, and there are a lot of misguided black folk out there but for those of us who get it who realize the importance of having a connection to the motherland who realize uh, the importance of never forgetting where we came from who realize the spiritual connection that we have to the motherland in spite of all the problems that occurs in the motherland in spite of all the obstacles in spite of all the impediments in spite of the hardship the hard way of life in the motherland in spite of all the chaos in spite of all the disorganization you understand those of us who still, in spite of all these things I've mentioned, still try not to burn our bridges and still maintain a line of connection or a line of communication to the motherland. We are the ones who support people like Native Born. And so when we heard that they were having some financial problems, when we heard that they were having financial difficulties, as is just about everybody in Ghana except for people who you know are well to do and people who acquire funds by corrupt means they were in the same boat just like the average Ghanaian except they were foreigners in a strange land 
But when we heard that they were going through those things, we were all upset. I know when I saw the video, I, 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 all I could think to myself was, damn, man, you know, I wish there was something I could do to help them. You know, I wish there was, you know, I wish I was, I was a multimillionaire so I could just be like, here guys, you know, here's a hundred grand, use this to open a business, something, you know, I wish I had some throwaway money that I could send to them. You know, that's how all of us were feeling when we saw the video. But God is a good God and, you know, black people in general. Like we always say, those of us who get it, get it. When black people in general unite and coalesce behind something they believe in, behind in something that they think is good. You understand? Be coalesce behind something that they think uplifts black people as a whole. We don't want that thing to go to waste. We don't want that thing to be dissipated we don't want it to just disappear and go away and so through the power of social media through the power of youtube this couple bared out their heart they laid out their heart told us what they were going through and those of us that supported them all galvanized behind them people started sending them money people started sending them offers job opportunities you understand and I stand here today very happy and very excited to say that the last video that I watched from them, the husband was talking about how his wife was coming back to Ghana. I think they, they have enough money to at least, you know, stay on their feet for a while till they can get something established. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they were starting to, or they had started some type of... Uh, tour company where they would give tours to you know visiting african americans who've never been to ghana you know they could act as tour guides for a small fee they would show you the places of interest in ghana and they would make sure that you know you're not ripped off by the locals or or whatever taken advantage of or any of that other stuff so i hope that works out for them and so native born if you guys are listening to this you know much kudos to you you know i'll keep you got continue to keep you guys in my prayers continue to tell people about you you know and um and i i really hope that you know um you guys establish yourselves find firm footing in the motherland and that you don't ever have to go through a situation where you feel like you have to unpack and go back to america you know i mean your story their story was so touching anyone that heard their story was like oh man i was so rooting for them you know and and like i said man god is a good god and and black people you know this is testament this is testament to when we unite when we combine our resources we can get shit done it is not that difficult it's not all we have to do as a collective is first of all weed out all the coons and the self-haters amongst us once you move all those self-haters and coons out of the way and you have the talented 
10th or the talented 5th or the rest of us who are consciously awoke, you know, and, and are really trying in our own little ways to uplift the black family, uplift black people across the diaspora. We can get things done. And that is our main problem as, as the global majority, as people of color, is because we have been we have been beaten across the bow the brow so badly by white supremacy. We have been dominated for such a long time that we don't know what winning feels like. We don't even know how to to to, to, to get together and rally to support each other we've been we've been brainwashed and, and and conditioned not to trust each other you know we've been we've been brainwashed to hate each other we've been brainwashed to hate ourselves this is the cross that we have to bear or have been bearing for the past 500 years or so ever since we encountered white folk you understand and um you know, but uh, they say nothing is permanent in life. Uh, all good things must come to an end eventually. There is a reason why the earth spins on its axis. Spinning to me is symbolic of change. You understand? And in the global context, even in the universal context of things all the planets spin and at the same time revolve around the sun that tells me that you know things are always constantly in motion you understand now i'm starting to get into some metaphysics over here but but bear with me you know things are always in motion you know change is always inevitable you know they always say the one thing you can count on is change you understand the two two most powerful forces in life is time and change you understand and if you use those two if you have time on your side as an ally and you believe that change is inevitable eventually you'll get to where you need to get to and no condition you find yourself in will be permanent you understand and so for me the point I'm trying to make from this last you know statement that I made is that we are at a point in history and I alluded to this in the earlier segment we are at a point in history where members of the dominant society the global minority aka white folks non-melanated individuals suspected white supremacists of course not all white folks are supremacists white supremacists but the majority of them are and practice and benefit from a global system of white supremacy we are at a point in time where they are starting to lose their grip on power and they're doing it they're losing their grip on power not necessarily because of anything that black people or melanated people or people of color have done it's just happening naturally you understand and so people gotta understand people need to realize that 
For as long as white supremacy has dominated this planet and has beaten down on, you know, people of color, at some point in time, all of that shit is going to stop. And you can see, you can slowly start to see the signs now. You can see it now. And that's why they're getting so desperate in everything they do. You realize they're getting more aggressive. They're getting more in your face. You know, they're scrambling. They're, they're doing all sorts of things to maintain and consolidate power. But you can't fight God and you can't fight nature. There is only one God in this world. And you guys for the longest time have, have thought you could supplant him. You have thought you could, you, you, you wanted to play God with everything that you've done. All your inventions, you've tried to play God, you've tried to play judge, jury, and executioner. You have killed so many of his people, of his children. And like I said, God moves slow, but he moves. And he is slowly moving now. And we are, I believe, at the precipice where we're going to start seeing God manifest his form of justice on all those who have wronged this planet and on all those who have wronged his children of color. He gave y'all enough time to recognize that. Listen, these black brothers and sisters of yours are just as equal to you in my eyes. They are my children as well. They are my creations as well. But you have ignored, you have totally ignored that. And so for that, your punishment is coming. And it is coming. Y'all understand? And, um, and speaking of self-hate. Mm. Let me tell y'all, man. There are a lot of self-hating Negroes out there. But even, you know what, before I get to it, again, final shout out to Native Born. I'm glad you guys got your stuff together. And uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch. I'll send you, I'll post this link on your YouTube page. Or send it to you in private so you guys can listen to it. But back to what I was saying. So when it comes to black people and self-hate. I... I'm finally of the I have finally it has finally dawned on me I have finally come to the realization and acceptance of the fact that there are too many of us who hate ourselves there's a lot of self-hatred among black people for the most part it is not our fault it is just a side effect of the conditioning that we have been exposed to as a result of coming in contact with Europeans. And I want to give you guys a very good example of that. You all know how I've been telling you guys about a friend of mine or a former high school classmate of mine who 
This guy supposedly doesn't believe in the concept of white supremacy. He does believe that racism exists, but he, he in his mind, the racism is... Uh, I, and, and that's the thing. I can't... See, on the one hand, he agrees that there's racism, but he doesn't agree that there's white supremacy. Which is kind of odd. He doesn't believe in the concept of white supremacy, but he does believe that there is racism. The second thing is the prevalence of racism. It's far-reaching effects globally. And how it, it has its tentacles in every aspect of life, which serve to dominate people of color. He doesn't believe in that either. Interestingly, what he does believe in though and what he has always used from the very moment me and this guy started talking what he has always used as his his the backbone of this argument is that whatever black people do or whatever white people do to black people which is viewed as evil so let's say a white person shoots a black person in his mind he has told me this in his own words that the white person did that or white people have done all these things to us because we as black people have not proven ourselves okay so right then and there you know where he stands so he's saying in so many words that we deserve the shit that has been done to us now whenever i try to talk to him and i i'll let's say i'll send him a link of something that some white person did or a video or something his response will always be oh man that's pretty bad i wonder why uh, they were doing that like he his response basically points to a sense of naivete in that he's acting as if he doesn't understand why the white person is doing that to the black person and then my response will always be well I guess he's doing it to him because the black person didn't prove himself right right then he will go off on a tangent and say something about oh blah 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 basically this guy doesn't know how to have an argument he doesn't not an argument he doesn't know, know how to have a discussion He's one of those people. He he never he's not a straight shooter. He goes off on tangents and he will bring in you know certain factors and he'll try to inject certain philosophies and arguments that are not even central to the discussion that's being had. I'll ask this guy very simple simple questions. I ask him simple questions and he will always give some he'll always one of two things he will either respond to me to my question with a question or he'll give me some convoluted answer that doesn't make any sense and for those of you who listen to the show i've told you i've tried to get him on here a lot of times i've tried to to get him to record voice you know memos uh we've tried to do the show in that format but you know either way he it, the, the, it hasn't materialized let's put it that way but um, the latest incident 
that occurred that you know finally solidified in my mind that this classmate of mine is just a coon and let's just call it what it is okay the guy is he's my fellow countryman you know I would call him a brother but uh, the level of coonery that he has exhibited ever since I started talking to him I mean is just mind-boggling it's astounding he's just a classic this is a classic typical example of a coon and not even an african-american coon this is the the type of african coon that is coonery that is exhibited by africans because they do not understand white supremacy at the end of the day that's what it is africans who act like coons and is playing is damn near about 80 percent of the continent who exhibit coonish tendencies do it because they do not understand white supremacy they do it because they're not directly uh, in contact with whites except for those who live in countries where there are white citizens they feel it directly they feel the white supremacy directly but even them they also exhibit coonery sometimes and it goes to show you just how brainwashed people of color are in this world for you to be oppressed by a group of people who look nothing like you and for you to kind of brush it off and maybe even say you know what maybe I do deserve what these people are doing to me that is the classic Stockholm Syndrome phenomenon added to uh, coonery you understand I guess you could say it's Stockholm Syndrome but when it's between a black person and a white person and the, the black person is the one that's getting the, the brunt of the harm then you can refer to it as coonery and so this friend of mine he's just a typical classic coon I try to give him the benefit of a doubt so many times but the things he has kept saying over and over and over again have just made me realize he's a coon and quite frankly I'm, I'm just I don't even think I'm gonna engage him anymore because he just doesn't have an understanding of of, of white supremacy and when whenever I have tried to teach him whenever I have tried to use intellect just common sense to point out stuff to him he has always brushed it off and like I said the latest incident to happen that made me realize that oh you know what I'm just dealing with the coon here why am I wasting my energy was this there was a video circulating on social media of this older white American male gentleman he was down there in Uganda Uganda of all places, Uganda, the, the birthplace of Idi Amin, who once made whites carry him in a palanquin. Idi Amin, the buffoon, who once expelled Asians, Southeast Asians, from Uganda because he felt they were exploiting his country. Okay, that same Uganda. Alright? So there was a video of this white gentleman. He was there. Was, I think it was nighttime. He was in the lobby of some 
some hotel and there were two black employees there I think there were three black employees there somehow he got into a tiff with one of them and he kept slapping the black guy around the Ugandan and the Ugandan you could tell it almost looked as if the Ugandan could have easily knocked this guy out with one punch because he was a heavy set guy but the white gentleman American he was American kept insulting him calling them niggers he was slapping the Uganda the thick the the, the heavy set guy upside the head every now and then he would get in a slap and they were just there looking at him there was one guy that tried to intercede another Ugandan and the white guy was kind of explaining to him why he was doing what he was doing it looked like first of all the guy was drunk but drunkenness aside drunkenness doesn't turn someone into a racist if you're a racist you're already racist you may be a closet racist you may be a closet suspected white supremacist but as you all know with alcohol alcohol lowers your inhibitions and makes you see what you really felt inside right so that's basically what happened so this guy he's insulting these Ugandans and he's calling them all sorts of niggas but at the same time interestingly he's invoking the name of Christ he's over there going on and on talking about how he he's come down to Uganda to, to help the Ugandans something to the effect of he's down there to help the Ugandans and he keeps bringing up Jesus Christ's name and saying something about the heavyset Ugandan or Ugandans in general have not accepted Christ and he's trying to make a connection between the way they're treating him saying something to the effect of you guys are disrespecting me and if you're disrespecting me you're disrespecting Jesus Christ so in essence this guy is saying he's a representative of Christ and it's safe to assume he's doing that because he's white because as you all know the Christ that as you know the image of Christ that is portrayed all around the world for black people both black and non-black people to worship is one of a white man Do you understand and so so this white gentleman is is kind of playing on that so anytime the Ugandan guy would look like maybe he wanted to you know maybe you know maybe rough him up or something he would say something like well Christ you don't want to disrespect Christ you are disrespecting Christ and then he would say that and then in the middle of it he would sneak in a slap like slap and these Ugandans were just standing there and there was one guy he was there trying to reason with him trying to calm him down and the guy was just talking to him just insulting all of them and they were just standing there so I sent this video to a couple of people, including this coon friend of mine. Do you know what this coon friend of mine said? Well, he's not really my friend. Like, I don't know why I keep saying he's my friend. He's a, class, a former classmate of mine. Do you know, I'll just, we'll just call him my acquaintance. Do you know what this acquaintance of mine said? After watching this video in its entirety, he said, oh, is he, he's drunk.
Is he some type of religious fanatic? Is he delusional or so, some word he used? And I, I, I just texted him back like, does this guy look like he's, um, what was the, I need to find a text. But basically I, I, I pointed out the bullshit that he was saying like, this guy has it together. The only thing is maybe he may be drunk. But he's not spazzing or anything. He's, you know, he's just drunk. And the drunkenness has allowed his spirit, okay, of white supremacy to come out. He's showing it out. And that's why he's using the words Jesus and nigger interchangeably. This fool didn't see any of that. Okay? He just honed in and zoomed in on the fact that what this is a drunk white man right here who deserves respect he's drunk and he's a religious fanatic and he's trying to tell you Africans over there my brothers over there that you need to respect Jesus so if he's slapping you around it's just because he's drunk leave the white man alone basically that was what my uh acquaintance was trying to tell me and so at that point you know between what he said and between the way the ugandans were behaving in the video and the fact that no one had knocked this fool out and laid him out flat on his face you know the only conclusion i could come or draw was you know as black people or as people of color i mean we Look, white supremacists or white supremacy has us exactly where it wants us to be. And it has done this by causing us to hate ourselves. Because if you have respect for yourself, if you have res any, res any form of respect for yourself and any form of love for yourself... You don't allow anyone to disrespect you. Be they white or black or Arab or Asian or whatever. You don't. If you have self-respect and you love yourself as a human being, you do not allow that to happen. But because as Africans, a lot of us don't have self-respect we don't love ourselves. We've been conditioned to hate each other. We've been conditioned to hate everything African. We've been conditioned to hate everything black. We have been conditioned. And we have been conditioned through Christianity. We have been conditioned through the, the, the Eurocentric view of history that is taught in our schools. And so it's no, it's no wonder that, you know, we sit back. And allow this continued disrespect of our people. And what makes it worse is the fact that this is in Africa that this shit happened. Okay? This was in Uganda. This didn't happen in, you know, rural Arkansas or 
Mississippi down, you know, here in America or or in Lithuania or in some Eastern European country where maybe you are the only black person and you found yourself in the midst of whites and they were, you know, so one of them was disrespecting you and you knew you were, you know, outnumbered so you couldn't do anything. No, this happened in Uganda. This happened in Africa on the motherland. This was a white guy surrounded by all black Ugandans and he was insulting them. Insulting them like children. Grown ass men. And they did nothing except to look at him and try to plead with him. Sir, please, you know, sir, please. Shut up, nigga. You are disrespecting Jesus. I know that, sir. I know that I'm disrespecting Jesus. I will go to church, but please, sir, please. Slap. <laughs> please, sir, stop slapping me, please. That is what happened. And, um, you know, the funny thing that, like, <laughs> What I thought was amusing about all of this is I know for a fact that those Ugandans who let that white American, that older white racist piece of shit disrespect them, what he did to them, if he was a fellow Ugandan, they would have, they would have been beating the shit out of him. That Ugandan, that, that heavyset Ugandan guy who held back and didn't, you know, didn't uppercut that white gentleman. If his own fellow Ugandan had said something which was even one hundredth less insulting than what the white man said to him, he would have been all over his ass. He would have been duking it out trying to, to kill his fellow Ugandan. And you know why? Because his fellow Ugandan looks like him. And be, But because of self-hate. He feels the need to purge. He would, he would have felt the need to purge his fellow Ugandan. To wipe him out of existence. Because he looks... He looks at him and he sees himself in there. And if you see someone that looks like you and your only mindset is to erase that person, purge them, and they look like you, well, what does that say? That is self-hate because you don't like what you see. It's like you staring in the mirror. You understand? Man, we, we, as a people, we have a long way to go. We have a long, long way to go. We need, we need a psychological cleansing even before we can begin, begin to, un to unshackle ourselves of the yoke. Of white supremacy. You understand? Anyway. Let's take a quick break. I will be back. Thank you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
gangsta shit. Who got the gangsta gangsta shit? Who got the gangsta gangsta shit? We got the gangsta gangsta shit. I understand why y'all niggas is mad at me. Sitting around like, damn, that could be me. All the cars and the bitches living lavishly. But it's only one problem, y'all ain't bad as me. Who could flip a record company from a half a key? Then drop a gold album, do the math with me. Turn right around and go platinum. That would be, fuck it. I lost count, why don't you tell me the amount? Since you got some like groupies, notice please. I never go broke, my name got two G's. J-I-2-G-A. I flip that, pawn the platinum and be on the next day. I be right there when your mics blow out. I was there when your lights went on. When your lights go out, I'm right there with the same ice, the light of your house. Just bright enough to see the gun if I wipe you out. I'm the stuff niggas write about. Jigga's a legend. Jehovah, end of the session. Fuck with me now. Who got the gangsta, gangsta shit? We got the gangsta, gangsta shit. Who got the gangsta, gangsta shit? We got the gangsta, gangsta shit. Who got the gangsta, gangsta shit? We got the gangsta, gangsta shit. We got the gangsta gangsta shit. We got the gangsta gangsta shit. Live from the 718. Got my chicken DMV at this very second running your place. Two knocks on your door, one gun in your face. Two blocks of C4, I put one in your safe. Place the safe in the bathtub. I got one prior. You better hope this money don't catch fire. You so soft, no mask, no rope. One clip and I let this nigga run around untied. I swear to God, you know the type to talk loud, but nigga is white cloud. Soft as a baby bottom, you know Jay Z spot him. Haven't heard him in a while, and you know how I come. Just little faggots in the corner, Dallas. All right, welcome back, welcome back. So, <clears throat> I think I'll end this episode here. Uh, it's been a long show. I still got some more material that I wanted to speak on, but an hour and a half is is long enough. So uh, stay tuned for the next episode, which I'll drop in a couple of days. Uh, And until then, be safe out there, and I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. We got the gangsta gangsta shit. Uh We got the gangsta gangsta shit. We got the gangsta gangsta shit.
Time for more new shit. You heard? You heard?